Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am joined by my friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. I'm also joined by my pop culture official. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's good. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Well, I'm not asking how you're doing anymore. I know. Yeah. But you're just saying that you're joined by me. But I, actually, I said my pop culture official. Okay, that's why we're laughing. So yeah, I was yeah. going to say our, uh, yeah. because it's weird that you're my personal pop culture official. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, okay. This uh, is all staying in. Yeah, so we are joined by my friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman, and my snoochie boochies pop culture aficionado, <laughs> Shane Christian Cunningham. Today on the show, we have James Marsden, who stars in the show Westworld on HBO Canada. Uh, the whole 10-episode season has wrapped up. The finale was uh, just on recently. It doesn't mean you can't go back and watch it all on demand or somewhere. And that show is a lot. There's a lot to unpack. If you're into science fiction or puzzles or uh, sentient robots taking over the world, get into it. We will get to James Marsden a little bit later because we got more things going on right here, guys. Uh, most recently, Max, you played to like 20,000 fucking people at... Uh, a, an arena no a stadium, stadium. Yeah. there's a difference an arena is like the acc yeah, it's a small. stadium <laughs> is like the sky dome yeah yeah man and we were all there yeah. we were going to get into this because this is the first time uh we've been able to talk about this yeah it's been uh a crazy week the rally is what we called the concert i'm sure if you listen to this podcast you're probably familiar with mike it. named the concert can that's, we say that that's right oh wow we yeah. should we were talking about this last night you were asking for a cut <laughs> <laughs> well, it went so well. You know, there might there might be other ones in the future. Well, for our listeners, I like months ago we were trying to think about what would be a cool name for the day to kind of give it like a festival feel, not just called the Arkell Show. Let's give it a name, and we were brainstorming. Web, Webby D was in the house, Webmaster right. Dan, and we were kicking around lots of ideas. Shaney was there too, I think. Were you in the room? Yeah, you're in the well, room it's better us. if I'm not because I'm always the guy not producing the good ideas now. <laughs> no, I like no, being left it, out it of the was, room. It was a brainstorm and. We were trying to remember. Yeah. I don't know if you said pep rally. Something like, do you remember how it went rally? down? I remember summer school was the initial idea by Webby D. Oh, and okay. then you thought it would seem too like Which people don't downer. have a good association with school. Yeah. You're like, I want it to be more fun. I thought you just said rally I, off I the might get. Have. Yeah. yeah. I might have. Or said pep and then boiled mm-hmm. it down. But anyway, yes, I'm waiting for my cut. Yeah. So kudos to you guys. And also another, you know, if we, if we really want to peel back the onion on this is... When we have when I when I have a big show coming up, and I'm thinking I'm always thinking about the show and and the bits and the banter and just every part of it, I'll often call Mike uh, for advice on banter. So yeah, there's yeah. usually uh, something I'll say that will make its way into the set list uh, that you have come up with. It's, that's your copy. Did I don't think I did it this show. You didn't. No. Yeah, but you know what? I've recycled some of the stuff from previous conversations. Oh, I recognized it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I, I, I'm not jealous, but why don't you ever call me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your type of copy is too... Um, like sort of comedy based, sarcastic, like way left of center. It's not earnest. You don't have earnest cop. Like yeah. for most. Of I the just stuff. meant call to chat in general. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you ever call me? Well, actually, I, but you know, it's funny. I did talk to your brother a little bit about it, who actually has more of Chain's comedy sensibilities. Sure. But I remember asking him a couple. I was like, I want to say something fun about like systematic, because my old introduction would be like automatic systematic it's grease lightning you know that line sure sure and for our listeners i did not write that one you didn't write that one <laughs> no that one needs work <laughs> but my so brother I, loves systematic too I yeah, feel well that's like. his favorite song yeah so I, so I pitched him that i was like i kind of do something in that uh sort of like grease lightning something that sure. kind of rhymes 
And all he could think of was that Keenan Thompson skit on <laughs> SNL. <laughs> yeah. What's the one when he keeps on rhyming stuff and yeah. he's like kind of dancing around? Oh, he's yeah. Like, what uh, up with that? What up with that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, see, that's not a good idea. But honestly, like you're giving too much credit and feeling them on your back. You're, it's all you. It's like but, 90% but, you. Almost. But I've learned a lot about, um, I think, comedy writing um, just from being around you mm-hmm. guys. I really mean mm-hmm. it, like in terms yeah. of setting stuff up, because it's not my natural instinct to pull that stuff off i always want to do it but i don't think i'm the best at it but i think over the years i've gotten a little bit better so for instance like i was like trying to think of a line to introduce introduce uh, a, a little rain so i was like so i think what i said was all right there's three rules at the rally and this is something that we worked out yeah like on a tour ago but i've kind of reshaped it i said number one you gotta sing that's rule number one rule number two you gotta dance and rule number three you gotta take care of each other and, and you know if somebody falls down you gotta pick them back up if your friend needs a drink, you go buy him a drink. If your friend has had too much to drink, you need to take him home. Yeah. And I came up with that, but like the sort of yeah, the just form the of construct it. of those right. things. Yeah. Who's, whose idea was it for you to raid Liberace's closet for those? <laughs> <laughs> that was manager Ash's idea. And I stand by it. My wardrobe changes were great. I had to like. Yeah, that was, that, it was awesome. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It was. And it's not even like it was unexpected because you have been going that more Coldplay route. Coldplay, I'd say more killers. Coldplay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. There was right. a lot of Brandon Flowers going on up there. Because originally you were more Bruce, way. right, with the um, jean jacket. Jean jacket. Yeah. But you've gone more colorful, Yeah, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. We we got those custom shop made actually for the show. The pride by, by colors. The pride yeah. colors. Did you design coat? that? Well, we went to this designer. Her name's uh, Hendrix Rowe in Toronto, and she had a jacket that had those frills like kind of hanging off the arms. And it was just a maroon jacket, but we we're like, what if it's black and it's rainbow colors? Pride, Pride Weekend, and she loved it, so she made it up. Fitted. And you started wearing the like uh, jacket that's a couple sizes too small. Yeah, yeah. Did you get that idea when we were on set of knocking at the door? Remember, you tried on Ash's little jacket. Probably. And it fit really funny, but still looked cool. Yeah, because it's kind of slimmy. If it fits a five foot four woman, I'll probably like it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's sort of like the rule of thumb. Yeah, just really thrilled with the way the whole show turned out. Like, there's so many little details in it that kind of worked. I have no idea what the show cost. Like, it was very, like, kind of like, expensive. Like, we were like, no, let's get pyro. Let's, like, the extra staging. Like, the sign we made just for the show, Arkell Storing Band. Do you cash out on that? Or is this, like, we broke even? Or are you I, like, I, we're I rich? I honestly don't know. But I do know <laughs> that. I don't know what we made, to be honest. But uh, I do know that if we had just put the show on at Budweiser stage, we would have made a lot more money. But, mm-hmm. but the experience. Because they have the infrastructure. Because they have the infrastructure. Like, building a stage in a stadium is an expensive endeavor it takes like so many more logistics and planning and and just like materials yeah i heard the tycott's mascot was like five hundred thousand dollars alone yeah oh tc yeah he don't <laughs> or pigskin yeah. <laughs> which one pigskin pete but uh it was awesome the, the, um yeah so we were all, we've all been kind of in shock for the last few days just like like looking at the photos and the videos from afterward and just yeah, so many people have reached out just congratulating us on it because it was, you know, it, the show was one thing, but we had all these extracurricular activities with the bike ride and the rally market, which we'll talk about. Yeah, it was a huge community event, which I thought was really uh, good of you guys to do. Yeah, and, and, and like all those things, every time you take on another thing and you want to do it properly, it's just going to take that much more planning and detail and hours. And the week leading into the show, it was calling for thunderstorms. And so I was like, oh, no, like we, we've done all this extra planning for the market and the bike ride. 
that is going to be completely ruined if the weather is terrible. And, and so the whole week, people are tweeting at us, like, what happens if there's thunderstorms? Is, is the event canceled? I'm like, and then at a certain point, I just had to stop looking at the weather reports because I was actually getting depressed, like, in a way that I'm like, I was just getting so bummed out. I was complaining to my mom about it. She's like, I'll oh, stop complaining about it. You're like the luckiest guy I know. I was like, fair enough. And so that was happening. So, and, and the reason why I was so depressed was it was a problem that was completely out of my control. And usually, like, we're in the problem-solving business when you're in a touring band. There's always shit that comes up that you have to kind of figure out how to work with. And we're good at it. But when it's something like the weather you, <clears throat> and an outdoor show, you can't do anything about it. You no. just, and, and, like, rain is rain. It puts people in a shitty mood. So that was happening. And then the other thing in life that is more or less out of your control is the birth of a child. And so Anthony Corona, our keyboardist, and his wife Scarlett were supposed to be uh, – were due on June 10th with their first child. And we thought that was – a window big enough that we wouldn't have to worry about it interfering with the rally. But days crept closer and closer and the baby still didn't come. So that whole week leading up, I was like, Oh my God, like is Tony going to have to like leave the, the middle of the show? If his like phone goes off, would she's... he have left? Cause there was some confusion about that. Cause he did a post like, Oh, I'm going to feel so bad to have to miss it. And my wife and I were debating whether it was the show or it was his wife's birth. You know what? I think what he would have done, I mean, it would have been, he did have a backup father, <laughs> <laughs> backup father. Yeah. No, he, uh, he had a guy who knew the parts that if he had to like leave in the middle of the show, but I was thinking, I was like, what are the chances that that baby will be born on June 23rd between 7 PM and midnight? Hey, okay. So let's say tone had to leave. Like, let's say the baby did wait until the show and then tone had to leave. Yeah. Do you give the backup dude the solo still? No. So what happens in that part of the show? No, we just kind of axe it and just keep it, keep it moving. So, but because you also had a sax player come out during that part, I know. So his big moment gets cut too. Yeah, yeah. Things things would have been, and, and Tony's such an integral part of the show too that it wouldn't have been the same. So anyway, Friday morning rolls around, they have the kid, and I'm like, thank God, and baby's healthy, mom's healthy, and so Tony came to soundcheck Friday night because that's when we soundchecked, and then on, and he was there for the whole show. And then the weather ended up holding off. So I just feel so lucky that uh, the two things out of her control worked out and all the, the variables of the show kind of went off without a hitch. And it's also like on all of our friends, I think over the years have come to know not to bug me on show days. And so I didn't get like one text from a champagne boy. No. I didn't. Uh, well, you're always doing so much. You're like, well, I'm up at six for the community thing. Sure. And then I'm riding my bike to the show and. Like, it's like you do a lot of stuff on the day. Yeah. You have, like, a camera crew following you around. You're, <laughs> you were, like, kissing babies. Like <laughs> well, When I showed up to the rally marks, you guys, like, you're like, it's like the, you're like the Pied Piper. Yeah, <laughs> everyone was just following you. It was really well, funny. I, I, we brought our uh, baby Lucy there, yeah. and Alex is like, it was so weird. I showed her to Max, and Max just made a face, but he was, like, frozen, and I was, like, scared because I thought Max was, like, having a stroke or something. <laughs> but then she noticed there was a camera, and you were, like, holding a pose for the picture <laughs> with the baby. <laughs> photo op. Yeah. I mean, everything was kind of a photo op that day. Oh, man. Uh, so nobody nobody messaged you out of the shape. No, it was awesome. So thank you, guys. Well, we, we were at the our booth. We were totally, like, yeah, we didn't talk to you at all. And then I when know. you showed up, we were kind of surprised. Yeah, we're just really inconsiderate more than anything. Like- <laughs> <laughs> we were focused on us, yeah. man. But it was, but I heard a lot of uh, pot peeps came by and um, mm-hmm. and said and bought merch. Tell me about it. Well, we got to say, um, so when this was all happening, manager Ash reached out to all of us on an email and she said, hey, uh, we're doing this sort of community thing. We're going to do this thing called the Market Rally and a bunch of local Hamilton vendors are going to be selling their stuff. Do you guys want one for the Mike on Much Pod? She's smarter than everybody. She's so smart. 
I was like, huh, that's interesting. And there's some logistical things. And I had, I, I didn't know if I could even be there, but Shane jumped on like immediately. He was like all about it. Yeah. Ultimately, we were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's figure out a way to do it. And so Shane and I were there from one until five. And we still didn't really know what to expect. We're like, obviously, like, I think a lot of our listeners came to us as Arkells fans, or maybe they found us through some of the interviews because they liked the person that was on the pod, the feature guest. Uh, but we like know the majority of people. Like Shane's big joke is like, if you want to feel good, go to an Arkell show because people like... like oh, especially one where there's 20,000 people there. Because if you have 0.5% of that audience, that's yeah. still 100 people, right? <laughs> so I felt like a rock star. People are like, Shane! Mike! <laughs> so, so anyway, we're like, okay, let, let's do it. And at the very least, if like we meet five people that listen to the podcast, amazing. Because it's cool. Like, And you're obviously listening now and you, maybe you were there. Uh, it's awesome to meet these people uh, in person and kind of like... Because what we're doing is we're talking, right? And then we're just putting it out into the world like when you're on stage you're at least getting something back yeah. from the crowd. our we're just kind of it's it's an outward um action and then for the first time when you meet these people and this is kind of like the live show with Catherine, it's like it gets reciprocated back yeah which is cool and so anyway long story long it, that like it, it never stopped we never sat down mm-hmm. once we started at one and like it was more bought, of a meet and greet than anything it was crazy yeah. and jenna came by with buttons jenna, jenna Gregory, Doodles, yeah. yeah which and, was good because sometimes people they didn't want to buy any merch. They just wanted to <laughs> chat. And we felt weird pressuring them to buy something. Yeah, we're not going to be like So it would get them. awkward when it came to the point where obviously a transaction was expected. <laughs> and then we, they just wouldn't talk. And we'd be like, want a button? They'd be like, yes. <laughs> so no. they're handing yeah. out buttons. Uh, that's the best. Um, and yeah, and, and, and honestly, like people bought a lot of merch and were so happy. And now Lucy's college sweaters. fund got like $44 in it. Was that the tip jar? It, it was. It was a college fund jar for Lucy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. What are you going to use that money for, so the people know what they contributed to? Well, if the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I don't think Lucy will be going to college, <laughs> so we don't have to worry about that. I will reimburse the jar if it comes to be, but <laughs> just buying dinner, I guess. <laughs> I said I would split nice. it with you guys, but you no, didn't want right. it. No, no, no. I think you should use that forty that like our listeners kindly donated to Lucy. Something for Lucy. Think about it, and then tell us what you spent it on. No, I, I will put that money aside for her should she go to college. But I think she'll be a YouTuber or something. <laughs> you should, you should <laughs> literally go to the bank and start the, <laughs> start the college fund with that 40. That will be the first seed planted so our listeners actually felt like they, they did something. Well, your brother-in-law was giving me – he was messaging Mike on much about RESP advice for Lucy in college and yeah, stuff. So, like, so I'm using his, that advice too. I screenshotted it and sent it to my wife. I don't know if I responded, but thank you, Clay, if you listened. So it was awesome, man. We met so many people and, and people from uh, Tennessee, uh, New Jersey. There was a guy from New Jersey who's... Chance. Such, his last name Chance. Chance. His wife, he listens to the pod so much, his wife got him a custom-made Champagne Boy shirt. Come on, really? I'm not kidding, man. That is hilarious. It was awesome. Sure, we got lots of photos uh, with so many people. Yeah, you recognize people just from their little avatars on Twitter, I know. Or, you, or they say their name, like, oh, I know you. Yeah, it's like, a, a lot of people, I was like, oh, do, have we met before? But it was like, it was just, there was a woman named Holly that I recognize from Twitter, yeah. and then Colin Drake, yeah, I recognize yeah. him, and Allison Camps. Yeah, but if they don't, if they're not making the same face they are in their avatar, <laughs> it's hard to really make the connection. Yeah, make but the yeah. Face? oh yeah, okay, I know. oh, that, that, I know I recognize you. And you know what? Like people were like these were hardcore listeners because every time Shane, like we would do a photo with them, Shane would pull up the Cobra camera. Oh, nice. And everybody was stoked. The Cobra Cam was the star of the booth. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really it was to... crazy. Sometimes I would be like, ah, oh, this person is obviously not a Shane fan. They're a Mike person or a, like for but I'd mention the Cobra Cam and they'd go nuts. So the Cobra really was the star, the star. I thought. 
Like people would get overly excited about it. So I'm going to be putting those photos up on Thursday. Okay. Awesome. So thank you to everyone that came out and checked us out at the booth. Uh, yeah. And then we boogied on to your show and partied hard. Shane, I think I got an Insta story of you on the mic up much with like five beer cans stacked. Yeah. Because you're uh, boozing again, eh? Well, I'm not going to not booze at like the biggest show of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it is. There is like a weird. And this is more of a question for you, Shane. Like, obviously, we're sitting here with Max and he's Max. But like when you see him at a, a like a, a stadium show like that with, as you called his Liberace-esque coats on, <laughs> what like are you like, is there a, a cognitive dissonance? Is there like a that's somebody else or is it more like, oh, like I know that guy. It's just more of an extraordinary circumstance. Yeah, it all feels very dreamlike and surreal, and it's hard to believe, like, I get to talk to you in real life, and it does seem like a different person on stage than when you're in here wearing your, like, Austin Matthews shirt or whatever, you know, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, it it is it is weird. What yeah. does cognitive dissonance mean? Or well, like, the, like separating sort of the, the two, like, being aware that it's like, oh, that's Max, my friend, but then also kind of being aware that it's like, oh, he's also means this to all of these people. Mm-hmm. Like, can you separate the two? Or do you see it as one? Or does he seem like a different person? No, I, I separate the two. I for sure. I don't look at the person on stage in that like crazy outfit as a real person. Really, yeah. it's just like the ultimate entertainer. And then you're just like a right. Re- you're so regular. That's the hard part. Yeah, because you're not. Uh, like you probably do have the craziest ego, but you don't. <laughs> you you don't show that outwardly or act uh, high and mighty or anything. So it's sure. really easy to forget. That you are that popular. And well, it definitely, I mean, uh, it was an alternate reality for me, though, just to be clear. Like, we play all sorts of different kinds of shows. We were playing little clubs in England. Like, you know, like, so this was definitely a special occasion mm-hmm. and, and not like what I normally think of myself as. Like, it definitely didn't feel like, oh, that's my life, right? Like, it just <laughs> felt like I was in an alternate reality for a couple hours, which was, which was an amazing experience. But actually, one kind of funny thing that I just remembered was, so I usually don't get, buzzed on stage. I get like a little buzzed on stage if like if the set's going well I'll have like a shot that's like on stage or like have a beer and, and I'm moving around a lot so it'll, it'll hit me a little quicker yeah and I was feeling really good at the top of the show and I was like you know what I'm kind of gonna enjoy this a little bit more so I kind of chugged back a beer between songs and maybe had a shot so I was feeling just like just the kind of the perfect amount of buzzed you know when you're in that sweet spot, if like you're on your second drink yeah. on a sort of empty stomach, yeah, and you're just like it just feels. You're not drunk, but you're feeling good. But you're just feeling good, and and I sometimes I feel like it helps my stage banter because I'm less self conscious. I'm not tripping over my words as much because I'm not overthinking it. So I uh, picked out and then some as the part of the set where I wanted to talk about Anthony's week because I thought, okay, this is a romantic song, something you know, involving his wife and like love uh, happened to him in a major way this week. I want to talk about it. So the intro is happening and I'm kind of talking about it, like trying to do my best Bono impression, basically, <laughs> where it's like, you know, when Bono's always talking over like the jangly guitar thing, there's like, this atmosphere thing going yeah. on. So I'm kind of doing the Bono thing and I'm talking about Anthony and how uh, baby Oscar waited until the very last minute to, to reveal himself. And I look over and Anthony's like crying. While he's kind of holding down the piano part, as I'm, t- so I look over and he's like wiping tears from his face, and then because and and people were in the crowd were recognizing it, and I, the camera was probably on Tony, and I think I the feedback I got was that like a lot of people were really feeling this moment because it was like you know, and then I, and then the kind of big, the punchline not punchline but like I was like and on Friday morning at eight a.m. we welcome baby Oscar to the crowd and the crowd fucking cheered. 
And as I was telling the story, though, because I was a little drunk, I started crying like like a drunk frat boy. Yeah, you know, like when you <laughs> <laughs> when you're just like, I love you, man. <laughs> and then I and so then we suddenly the song starts, and I was like kind of crying during the song. Wow. Like everybody man. was getting really emotional about it. So that was kind of a cool. Moment. I, that was the only part I was in the porta potty for. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> but everyone was talking about that. Greg and I climbed up through the stands to go meet my dad. During that, during, during that, that part. part. So that it was part. like we were all kind of like that was that we all separated at that point. Uh, speaking of baby Oscar, somebody we were out having drinks last night, Shane, uh, Max, myself and Dan Hamilton and our buddy Better AJ. We call him Better AJ because there's another AJ in the group and the, he's the better AJ. Yeah, he's the better one. And somebody made the joke uh, that Scarlett was going for the EGOT because she's got a Tony. Now she's got an Oscar. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. good. That is good. It doesn't, doesn't quite work once you get to the uh, Grammy and the Golden Globe, though, because, yeah. And of course... After the show was the big uh, J.R. Diggs, yeah. recent podcast, J.R. Diggs uh, threw a big after party, which is, you know, so I was saying earlier about how we really want to control every part of the day. And it was, you know, if we sign up to do something, we want to do it right. Of course, it was a conversation about having an after party. And we were like, you know what? At that point in the night, we we can't do anything more. Like if anybody else wants to have an after party, they can do it. We'll show up maybe, but like we're not going to take that extra responsibility on because, you know, then you have to deal with guest list and yada, yada, yada. So JR came to me and said, I want to throw an after party. And I said, it's a free country, man. Go throw an after party. <laughs> uh, and so he found this cool space up on like the third floor. It's not a bar. It's like a first Ontario. The bank has like this patio above the mule in downtown Hamilton. One of our favorite bars is called the mule. And there's, and then we, I showed up probably like one thirty. but how was it for you guys? I mean, my, my experience was, so Danica and I snuck out halfway through My Heart's Always Yours, yeah. which was your last song of the night. Yeah. We were like, let's find a, a cab or an Uber before the rush. And of course she's pregnant. Yeah. So I was like, let's get her home and into bed. My phone was also at 1%, oh, like boy. literally going to die. So I was like, shit. So we get her home, but I'd been talking to Sean Dawson and he's like, I've got an extra ticket because his pregnant wife didn't want to go to the after party. So I'm like, and I didn't get a ticket. We were so busy. Shane and I didn't grab tickets to the after party. So yeah. like, just knowing JR too, I refused to buy a ticket. Of course. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so I, I drop her up. I get on a Sobe bike share and I'm pretty buzzed from the party myself, yeah. put in my earbuds and I bike up to King William and Hamilton. And I'm going to just, I know I don't have a ticket. My phone is dying. Sean stopped responding to me. So I assumed he gave his ticket to somebody else. Uh, his last text was, it's a nightmare, like good luck or something yeah. like that. So I'm like, we'll see what happens, man. And I get up. And uh, I see a, a couple of pod fans. They're asking where to go eat at yeah. whatever. Because uh, they were going to go to the Mule, but they couldn't get in. Long story long, um, I run into two other friends. And they're like, oh, it's crazy over there. We don't have tickets to the party. But I didn't, I didn't want to like be like, well, good luck. I'm going to go get in. I said, I probably don't have enough juice to get myself in. I, I would bet a million bucks I don't have enough juice to get all three of us in. But I'll try if you guys want to come. And they're like, okay, let's go. So we go. Uh, one of those actually Monica who used to do toe jams. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so she's interviewed a bunch of musicians yeah. as well. So we go over to the, to the lineup and literally it's a huge line. And the woman comes out and she goes, if you do not have a ticket, get out of this line. You're not getting in anyway. And right away it's like, oh shit. You know, uh -huh. but then I'm like, ah, you know, I, I, and I turn to them. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe we should get like a beer somewhere else. Maybe circle back. I don't know. Right then JR comes out and he's fighting with a bouncer. <laughs> so he's like, JR's like fist the cuffs. Or? No, no, no. Oh, arguing. Yeah. Sorry. Arguing with the bouncer <laughs> where the bouncer's like, whoa, blah, 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 capacity. JR's like, no, it's like this. And I got these tickets and whatever. <laughs> and then so JR turns around and I just make strong eye contact and he goes, oh, Mike, Mike. I'm like, and I kind of just give him the shrug because we'd saw him at the show and he basically said, come by. Yeah. So, but I didn't know if I'd see him and he's, he didn't have a phone on him or his phone was dead. 
So he's like, yeah, 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 he's in. He's got a ticket. And I was like, I'm, I'm with two friends. He's like, yeah, yeah, they're fine. So then we skip the whole line. We get right <laughs> onto the elevator and then go up. So that, that was how I ended up getting into the party. Well, JR said that the liquor board was, came like at the start of the party and did not leave. Yeah. So they were like really worried about capacity issues. Yeah, it was kind of a logistical nightmare because if you could get onto the balcony, but if you had to go to the washroom, you're pretty much banished from the balcony. Yeah. And you got to go back on this lineup all over again. So the setup wasn't great, but all like all of our friends were there from the show. The nut was DJ, yeah, my brother nut, was DJ. Yeah. And the, the HSR uh bus driver like kind of picked me up with uh, your brother Greg and Ubered me to the location. Just he was just bus? like he was just like this is out of order, but hey, I'll drive you where you want to go. <laughs> really? Yeah, the so only you... shit part was I I left my wallet on that bus. But oh, yeah, shit. I did uh and then I just got dropped off right at the the stoop. Saw JR, walked right in, walked in the <laughs> elevator, got in like so easy. The only shit part was I had to send my wife Alex in an Uber home because uh-huh. we had babysitters. And a $70 Uber. Surge pricing was crazy. Aren't you flattered that you caused that yeah. massive fucking surge though? I know. But that's why we tried to get the free bus for everybody. Which is great. Yeah. Oh, you you had known that surge was going to happen. Well, I'm not If, directly, if you had an Arkells but... ticket, this is another thing, listeners, who aren't from the Hamilton area or didn't know this. But if you were in Hamilton and you had a ticket to that Arkells show, you drove for free on the HSR bus. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you save $2 there, and then you get fucked for $70 on <laughs> the way home. You could take the bus. Yeah. So you showed up at JR's party. So I showed up at JR's party. The bell of the ball. Yeah. The man of the hour. And uh, In a more reasonable coat. Yeah, in a more reasonable coat. Actually, it was a pretty ridiculous coat still. <laughs> it's still uh, pretty colorful. Yeah, it's jean jacket. You pull it off, yeah, though, now. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And Birchall is DJing. And he's DJing like, in an office. And you know when you're kind of like drunk and you like don't, because it's like dark and... Just your reality is different. It turns out he was just in someone's office, like because mm-hmm. it's literally just an office building. Yeah, and his DJ booth, in my mind, when I look back on it, was just somebody's enclosed, like glass enclosed. Yeah, uh, it office. was a weird setup. Yeah, and he was like having a time, and he was like standing on the desk. Oh, which he was is hammered, just, which is just somebody's desk, and. At one point, he wanted to take a photo. He's like, everybody get in here. Everybody get in here. And there's like 40 people trying to get into this little tiny office. I'm like, and JR, of course, was like so stressed out. And uh, I think the, the security guards were threatening to cut out the nut, uh, kick out the nut for the last 45 minutes of, of the party. He did come back at one point the nut. And he was like, they're trying to get rid of me. They're trying, they're, they won't get rid of me. They won't get rid of me. I was like, oh, this is getting fun now. <laughs> but the best part is that I was like, okay, I got to get out of here. I'm going to go home. I go to the elevator. I start, I press the button. It's just me and another guy waiting for the elevator. It's taking a minute, kind of making small talk. Another few people show up waiting for the elevator. Okay, making some more small talk. There's a lot of small talk, and I was pretty tired. Still waiting for the elevator. Another few people. But, okay, now there's 15 people waiting for one elevator. There's only three floors in this building. I was like, why is this elevator taking forever? And then I went up through the, I came in through the back stairs. So I said, fuck it. So I just kind of put my head down, walked back to those back stairs. Went down three flights, no problem. Walk home. Easy peasy. Yeah. My friends who were also waiting for the elevator get in the elevator and were stuck for an hour. I yeah. saw that on my way out. So I, was so I was thinking, I was like, man, if I had been stuck in that elevator after like the night I had, I would have been like, are you kidding me? It was a full hour. It was jammed in. Yeah. That's crazy. With like crazy fans and it's like they're like fantasy to talk to you. And yeah. It would just been a, like a little bit much. I would have been exhausted. But Why did you show up so late? Because I was there and I, uh, Alex only gave me half an hour to uh, party. So I, <laughs> I, I couldn't, uh, whoosh, but I, I couldn't hang out with you. Uh, because 
after the show, obviously 20, 30 minutes to sort of just come down. That gets us to like 1140. Then my parents were waiting upstairs in this like family friend's room on the third floor. So I go up there. I see them for a bit. By the time I get out of there, it's probably one o'clock in the morning. I had to like throw my stuff in the car. It was just a bunch of stuff. And then I probably got there around one twenty. Do you feel like the coolest guy in the world after a show like that? It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was great. Everyone, I mean, the thing is, everyone's super nice to you all the time. I, I remember what Julian said about like getting married. He's like, yeah, the, getting married is great because everyone's just like super nice to you and wishing you well. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what I get all the time these days. So, a couple last things to wrap up the party. Yeah. Shout out to Bill Davidson, regular listener of the pod, and uh, obviously uh, father in law to uh, Champagne Boy, Julian. Yeah. Uh, we talked at the after party for a lot. He's a regular listener. Oh, that's awesome. Great guy. Yeah. Enjoy talking to him always. One other thing, um, on our Instagram, we noticed this uh, after the rally, um, someone named Alyssa uh, on Instagram wrote in our comments about us being at the uh, the market, she said, I was too afraid to go say hi to you guys because I never have anything cool to say and just freeze up and didn't want to be awkward. I kind of hate myself for not doing it. Emoji face kind of frowning. You make me laugh a lot when listening to the pod and the interviews are really cool. I love it. One day I will develop social skills, hopefully. Uh. So I, I responded to her um, and I just thought we'd give her a shout out. And just to say anybody that like is listening to this right now and you're our listeners, you don't got there's there's nothing cool to say. Don't be there's no such thing as awkward. Like just come up to us just and say, say what's hi. up, man. Cause like it means the world to us that anybody's listening. And so if you want to come up and say hi. Come say hi. Well, there is such thing as awkward, and it's usually me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and as we've made it clear, is whenever anybody pays any attention to us, it really strokes our ego. <laughs> of so, course, so, and we don't like Mike and I uh, don't get like twenty five thousand people chanting our name. Yeah. every night. So to have anyone talk to me is a. Uh, very flattering. Yeah, so if not for you, do it for us. Yes, please. Right? You'd be doing us a favor. Yeah, yeah that's basically it. <laughs> um, so yeah, but to anybody, come up. And, yeah. I, and I get it. I know it can be awkward to talk to anybody, but we're, we're down. Yeah, always. leave comments, uh, Instagram, Twitter, iTunes. Interact. We love it. That's right. Guys, today on the show, we have the one, the only, very accomplished uh, actor, James Marsden. Hunk alert. Hunk alert. He's a very good looking guy. James Marsden is one of those guys that is so good looking. It's like not debatable. Like he's just so pretty. We can all agree that James <laughs> Marsden is good looking. Because I feel like um, all three of us probably identify with this on some level. Where you, where most guys, you could convince yourself that I'm probably better looking than him. Like, <laughs> no, maybe playing to twenty thousand people does fuck with your ego. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these ugly fucks. Don't no, talk no, to no, me. No, no, no. Okay, listen. How about it? If you're in a bar, say, right? Like, yeah, and, and you're sort of comparing yourself to other dudes. You, okay. You could, you could convince yourself. You're like, well, you know, that I might be better looking than that person. Like, I will you, admit, if I'm drunk, I am delusional. Yeah, what yeah. is it? And then you think that it's like, or at least it's debatable whether you're like, well, that guy's good looking, but I can see that chick thinking I'm better looking than that guy. Maybe. Maybe I'm more her type or whatever. But someone like James Marsden. Is is like there's there's no debate. You're not winning that purely no, aesthetic like, battle. Like if you were to pull a hundred people, every single person would say that he's the better looking guy than you. Yeah, yeah. He's objectively beautiful. Yeah, but yeah. we got to change these standards of beauty. Are you beautiful on the inside? <laughs> and after my talk with James, I would say yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but a hundred percent. And obviously, you've seen him in so many things, like Cyclops Boogie's Diner, Boogie's Diner, Canadian TV show. Uh, actually, off mic, I did mention it. Did I tell you this? Yeah. And he was like, thank you for not asking me about that. Because <laughs> I was going to suggest, ask him about Boogie's yeah. Diner, but your instincts prevailed. 
Yeah, obviously the X Men movies as uh, Cyclops. Like I said off the top, Westworld, which has become a very big show, but countless movies. He's one. Of those, I mean, The Notebook yeah. as the other guy. I think I, in the research leading up to it, we we were reading some pieces like the GQ stuff yeah, and yeah. prep. And uh, I think the writer had said he's always the guy that plays the dude that loses the girlfriend to the good guy. You know, uh, like, yeah, yeah. And that's probably a function of his how good looking he is. Yeah. Like it's almost like you're not rooting for him. You can't root for him because yeah. mm-hmm. it would seem too easy. So he always loses the girl to the other guy. And by the way, if the other guy's Ryan Gosling, it's like okay, yeah, <laughs> all right, yeah. Well, that's before people realized that Gosling was a super hunk too. Yeah, that was the movie where he broke. And I do think it was because he showed like an inner beauty that made people <laughs> think he was hotter. But then he started wanting to work out enough where he actually looked as good as people were. Saying him worked yeah. on that bod, yeah. Because I don't think Gosling was really that good looking when he was on Breaker High no, and all that. He's kind of goofy looking. Yeah, I think he might have had a nose job. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so to all of our listeners, uh, maybe you're tuning in for the first time because you're listening uh, for James Marsden. We're going to get to him in a second, but please follow us at Michael Much on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find us everywhere you get your podcast, whether it is iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, on YouTube. If you want to listen, sitting at your desk, we are there, guys. Is there anything else to say about Mr. James Marsden before we get to it? We cover uh, his whole career, his philosophy on acting. I actually opened with uh, with a comment about uh, his movie D-Train D-Train because my brother loves that movie and so you will hear that question off the top better looking in person or worse better man he's stunning I'm not gonna lie like he's he's, he's beautiful wanna get to James Martin let's do it check one we're just gonna roll actually hold the mic that's cool yeah podcast Podcast. You coined that term. Thank you. We, we might, can use it. Yeah, we might steal it going forward. We'll give you credit eternally, though. We can slide this so you feel you're most comfortable. No, I'm good. You good? Yeah. All right. So I just wanted to start out by saying that uh, when I told my brother we were going to be having this conversation, he said, you must tell him The D-Train was one of the funniest movies of 2015. <laughs> Uh, well, tell him I appreciate that, and uh, thank you for being the one person who saw it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a fun role. And, uh, what an interesting movie. It was. I, well, I think most people, that if you see a, a buddy, it looks like a buddy film with me and Jack Black, and it's completely different when you actually watch it, which I, I love. But some people were like, what? That took a turn I had, did not see coming. I completely agree, but that was kind of what was the most interesting. We go, what the, where's this going? And then it went yeah. there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Some people were into it, and uh, and uh, some people were like, mm, "This is not what I signed up for." <laughs> <laughs> this isn't what I wanted. Right. Yeah, well, I'm glad he saw it and I enjoyed it. That's uh, I, I'm one of the movies I'm prouder of. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's such an interesting and sort of like bold choice. It's so dark and, and weird that I guess yeah. as an actor, are those the things you look for? Yeah, that's what's appealing to me. I mean, uh, not not always dark and weird, but uh, just you know more than what you think it is. Yeah, you know, there's just more. There's more depth to it. There's more layers to it, and that's that. Uh, that script I just thought was <laughs> really interesting and uncomfortable, and uh, <laughs> yeah. said a lot about human nature. I don't know. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to to do that film. Yeah, those guys went on to do the Grinder. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which yeah. only lasted one season. Yeah, yeah. Those guys no, are making good they're, stuff, they're, though. They are, man. They're funny guys. Really, really smart, and uh, um, a pleasure to work with on set. We were just, you know. We would we would do the scene as written, and then we'd be like, "All right, what other, what other things can we do just for fun and just mess around?" So that's a great like creative environment to be around. They're they're kicking butts. Um, it's it's good to see them doing well. 
Yeah. As an actor, do you lean more collaborative? Do you like strong direction or are you like, I have ideas about this character and maybe how this scene can, can be worked out? Um, it's a good question. I love both. I mean, I, I think if you go into it without a perspective or without uh, an idea or a take, you know, that's not a good place to be. I think you got to, you know, you got to come in, uh, bring something to the table and a, a, a point of view on the character or a, kind of making it your own. And then for as far as the directors, you always want to work with someone who has uh, uh, a plan and uh, knows knows what they want, you know? yeah. um, but also within that collaboration, you can be flexible with one another to sort of, you know, go go down different roads that, that uh, neither one of you might have anticipated. How important is it for the director to have a confident vision? Uh, very important. Like as an actor, that probably gives you the confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because you, you know, you're, I mean, not, not to sound like a whingy actor, but you do put yourself in a vulnerable place as an actor. And uh, you do want to feel like you're uh, in the hands of somebody who's confident, in the hands of someone who is going to get all of this footage and get in the editing room and assemble the right performance. You know, I mean, you, you are in control, of your, you're, you're in control of your performance to a certain degree. They're in control of the scissors in the editing room and they can, yeah. you know, they can kind of piece it together. And so you do want to have, uh, uh, I think working with the best directors is the, is the best form of security um, an actor can have. Is really, uh, you know, the, the, the great actors always want to work with the great directors because you know that there's a, a massive safety net there and they're just going to make you better. And, and likewise, they, the directors know that the, the actors are going to give them performances that make them better. Everybody shines if everybody yeah, does their exactly. part. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, speaking of great directors, I just read that you're going to be in the new Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. That's a perfect segue into that. <laughs> a perfect segue into that. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's the man. Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. I mean, he's, he's, uh, everybody wants to be in his world and, and um, pretty, pretty cool honor to, to be a part of this one. Yeah, his films are American pop culture. You know, they're sort of littered throughout. Yeah. If you're into movies... Yeah, no, and and you would be hard-pressed to find someone more into movies than Quentin. Right. I mean, he just loves making films. And uh, um, he's got the energy of... I mean, I've never seen anything like his energy. And um, it's uh, it's really... it's And, it, and it's, there's a trickle-down effect, too. Like, everyone in the cast, everyone on the crew, enjoy... The enthusiasm. Uh, yeah, just being infection. in his field of gravity. It's like, it's a, it's an exciting, exciting thing. And, um, and, you know, I never thought I would actually get the opportunity to be in a Tarantino film. So this is actually obviously very exciting for me. How does it come about? Like, what's the minutiae of, like, do you get a call? Um, you... it, it, a little bit of both. I'm, I'm, I'm sketchy on details that I can even talk about. Sure, because sure. Because they do make a, they make you sign a very uh, elaborate... Um, NDA. Well, I don't want to get in trouble. Um, and I didn't, uh, you know, I, I can't recall all of it at the moment. But uh, <laughs> but he had seen a couple of my uh, uh, specific projects that I did, and he where he saw a certain thing, and he liked me in it, and and thought it would be right for for this role. Sure. Um. So and then we had a conversation for about an hour and a half, and it was uh, it was yeah, kind of went from there. Well, this is what I was going to get at. What is a conversation with him like in relation to any other director? Like, what makes it a unique conversation? If there's anything you can sort of point out that you observed yeah i just uh i mean he's what we just talked about is yeah. a, a directors that come in with a vision and with confidence i mean it's that times 10 with him he's just uh very specific in a in a joyful gleeful sort of enthusiastic way to share uh, ideas and what his vision is and and um and and also open to your thoughts as to what would be cool and uh you know it's um it's that it's it's here's what i see here's how i see you in it and um and uh let's go have fun yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to go back a bit, and uh, you're from Oklahoma. 
Yeah. Are you a Thunder fan at all? I am. Nice. Are you are you a Hoops fan in general, or is it because you know the Thunder uh, from Oklahoma? Well, I'm a I'm a Hoops fan. I'm I'm more American football than than basketball. Oh, gotcha. But, okay. uh, but um, but yeah, we've had a rough couple of last few years. The, the fact that we ha- we can look back and and see at one point we had James Harden <sighs> and Durant and Westbrook. It's like how did we not win the championship then? But uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's been it's been a tough one. It's been fun watching Russell do crazy things and break his records but um average yeah. triple double you know that won't happen again for a long time i don't think so no. and you know you're talking to a long-suffering raptors fan so uh, i know well know. hey man they were strong all year and it was an unfortunate uh, playoff series but they're, they're i mean they're they're an incredible team yeah um but because back to oklahoma <laughs> yeah, after yeah. that weird Sorry, basketball digression no that's my fault i can fault. talk hoops too honestly <laughs> i could do that for the next 10 minutes um but yeah, like neither of your parents were in showbiz. Was there like s- someone in particular or s- like a, an actor or, or something that motivated you to go to L.A. and try and be an actor? Like what, what was the impetus for you? I think it was, you know, when I was younger, it was uh, everyone, you know, when you start to get into your teens, your early teens, you, you, uh, you examine yourself and you think, uh, you try to I- create your own identity. Like what, what, what am I? Who am I? What, what am I good at? And um, I discovered... Uh, being on stage and and doing theater in in high school and junior high and um and it felt good it felt like something i enjoyed it felt like something that uh excited me and it felt um yeah it felt like i was relatively good at it and so it was a nice uh, outlet for me to uh to you know explore different characters different voices and uh so that was something that i thought wow that would be it's probably not realistic but the idea of having a film career or a tv career or whatever um Man, would that be great? Because uh, I don't know if I want to stay here and get a, just a regular nine to five job. I'm not sure I would even be good at it. Sure. So that was the, the sort of catalyst for um, for opening my mind up to the possibility of uh, moving to New York or moving to LA and and pursuing it. And then I was just young and sort of naive and dumb enough to like. <laughs> you don't know what you think. don't know. Exactly. Right. <laughs> when you're young and you're just like, hey, what, what's there to lose? You know, I can. I'm I'm right here at the bottom of the mountain. I'm not going to fall anywhere. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so I yeah, and as you get older, you're like, you know, you get smarter and you can see, you know, below you I'm like, oh, I could fall pretty far here. Um, so you get a little more cautious. And as you get older, you actually want to get back to that mindset when you were young, just taking chances that you maybe wouldn't now. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's to me, it's just about longevity. Like I never thought I'd be doing it. I'd hoped, but I never thought I'd be doing it 25 years later. And and now you just want to go, hey, what's next? And what's what have I not done? And. Um, what's an interesting challenge? Uh, so these are like my own conversations I have with myself yeah. um, about working in the industry and, and being an actor in general. You just want to keep doing it. Is there a time when you're young where you sort of realize, oh, like, I'm kind of good at this? Because I'm sure a lot of people want to be an actor or, or musician or anything like sort of creative pursuits. Yeah. And it's like, what's the difference between sort of like hacking away at it or being an amateur and being like, oh, shit, like there's a moment where you go, I'm actually kind of good at this. Did you have <laughs> one of those? Well, I- did it take validation I, I, I mean, of somebody else? I guess in any of the creative arts, you know, we, we are neurotic sure. <laughs> by nature. Um, no one ever wants to be the one saying, yeah, I'm actually, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm the best at this. I'm good at this. It's a, it's a subjective art that we do, you know. But, um, but I guess there was enough there that was encouraging to me and my, <laughs> my ego, uh, but also to just, to just me in general like this. I enjoy this, and people seem to enjoy watching me enjoy myself doing this. So um, that was enough to propel me or to at least give me the confidence to, to go down that road. But I never, I mean, you still don't get to the point. Every day from you know, working on set, you, you, leave, you leave work and you go, uh, 
how how was I today? Because you lose objectivity when you're there doing the doing the dialogue and the cameras on you. You know, you can get a feel for whether or not you're like in the zone and it's it's feeling um, effortless and real and interesting. Um, but uh, but then sometimes you know there's so many technical things going around you. You're just that are trying to make you be bad mm. or, or or get out of the moment. Um, so you do drive home at the end of the day, just going, uh, uh, how was that? I have no idea. I don't know. That's another reason why you want to be in the hands of a good director because you know there's they're going to steer you in the right direction that you might not necessarily have the objectivity to see about what you're creating, um, but also encourage you to to you know you have to as an actor as any creative person i think you have to be willing to fall on your face um if you if you come from a reserved careful measured place then that's not a lot of creative the, the ceiling is low for the creativity that can be created uh, um anyway yeah well and it can you can read it sometimes you can tell if somebody's holding back and not sort right. of giving it 100 percent. Right. but there's like there's definitely a fear in it because oh, like yeah it's nerves and fear and, and who wants to go all out at the uh, you know the chance you could be embarrassed or it's right. too big or whatever the, the and choices that's it. are it's realizing that even the greats um even the, the you know the greatest actors that we view as like wow they just make it look so easy there's film out there of them taking a chance and it not yeah. and it not working and looking bad. You know, you have to be able to to commit to that. You have to uh, be able to commit to an idea and a feeling. If you just half-ass it, if you just go, oh, I think this would be a cool choice, so I do it sort of fifty percent. It's never going to work. Um, it's never going to land. It's never going to have the impact that you want it to. So to be able to be in that creative space where you feel safe to take chances is the ideal scenario to, uh, for any creative person. But you know, for me specifically as an actor. Yeah, I, I read in a GQ interview that you mentioned, you know, you were driving a Porsche around and James Dean wasn't, uh, isn't one of your guys. And you'd mentioned Matt Damon is somebody that you sort of respect and he always nails it. Who were your guys? Like, who were your guys when you were coming up and you're like, shit, that guy, I want to be like them. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it wasn't that James Dean wasn't my guy. I guess it was, uh, I think they were trying to draw a connection between I, me, dri I me could, driving a Porsche and be like, oh, are you trying to be James Dean? I could read not, the through line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that always happens with those things, man. But there's so many people that I respect. Um... There's so many uh, really gifted actors out there. I remember when I was younger, it was, uh, and it's still to this day, but Paul Newman just was someone who, uh, I always admired the people that could do comedy and drama, and you could put them in any role and it would work. Which is what you've sort of carved out well, for yourself. I, yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's what was always interesting to me, is what if I could have that career? What if, yeah. uh, what if you, I mean, that's to me, I wouldn't, I mean, Yes, a career as an actor and being um, being able to work throughout your life as an actor is a great thing. But that's the joy of being an actor is being able to play different characters, to be able to to do different genres. You know, that's that's why we do it. We don't want to just play one role our whole lives. You know, some people have made excellent careers out of doing that. But for me, I didn't feel like I thought my strengths were in the fact that I maybe could play. You know, I could be. Um, somebody in a comedy and that could work and I could be uh, in a drama or an action movie and that could work as well. Yeah, your versatility is this yeah, sort the, of asset yeah. so, to you. So I, you know, I, and it was, it wasn't a plan from the beginning. It was sort of accidental in that when you're young, you take work when you can get it. And sometimes that's a comedy and sometimes that's a drama. And then if you work in both of them, people go, oh, well, you, oh, he can, uh, he can do that too. We oh, can plug him in that's here. That's interesting, you know. So now it, uh, now I, I use that as a guide. Like what, whatever I just finish whatever sort of tone of the character or the movie or the TV show that I just finished, I want to do something completely polar opposite. Um, just because it's it's just that much more interesting to me to do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, acting as a creative pursuit is 
pretty collaborative, I think. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, it seems there's also sort of a sense of competition, like whether it's sort of like landing a role or billing. How much do you get caught up in that? Uh, I th- well, I mean, you, I think every actor goes through their career going, oh, this is, this job is my last. <laughs> People are going to realize I'm a fraud and I'm never going to be cast again. I mean, Jack Lemmon said it famously. Every, every job was like, okay, this is it. It's the last one. No one's going to, you know, they're going to all figure out that I'm not good. Um, so, I, but after a certain time and it, like you have enough projects behind you, you do feel like, all right, this, you know, there's a family here. There's a, I, I feel at home doing this and I do feel like I'm going to continue to work. Um, if I, if I continue to challenge myself and, and ask uh, big things from myself. Um, but as far as competition, you know, there's people in the industry that are, you know, that I, you know, there's a handful of guys that sometimes the, the, I'll lose that on a roll to them sure. or maybe they'll lose that on a roll to me. But there's never any, um, uh, you know, animosity or resentment or like, you know, major competition as far as like, you know, there's roles that I look back and go, oh, I would have loved to do that. But that guy was so fantastic. I can't see it any other way now. Um, so I, those, those gentlemen, those actors that I'm talking about, I've met several times and have very good relations with and sure. Yeah. But, uh, so it's a very familial, it's a very, uh, it's a very good place to be. Uh, they're, they're getting enough work. I'm getting enough work and we're all doing hopefully interesting stuff. So it's not, uh, it's not negatively competitive. Sure. Philosophically, do you think, are you someone that tends to look at the paths not taken like good or bad? Meaning like, man, what would happen if I didn't get this or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, well, I try not to look in the rear view too much, but it, it is difficult not to, uh, in some in some capacity, you you look back and you think, oh, I was really struggling with deciding whether or not I wanted to do that film. And there was something in there telling me I shouldn't do it. Uh, but there was something there that I, I, I was attracted to. And then you end up not doing it. And you look back and go, oh, thank God I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> but, but also, maybe it would have been a completely different thing if you were in it. And then there are other films that you look back on and go, ah, that, um, that would have been... I didn't. I didn't see that coming. That would have actually been fun to do. Sure. Um, the uh, I was I was offered a role in the first Magic Mike, and I was like, "Wait a second, these guys are running around in speedos." I know it's Soderbergh. <laughs> yeah, um, great I name. Know, but know, premise but, is and the role shaky. was kind of small, and I'm like, "This could end up on the editing room floor." I don't know if this is, you know, we've never seen anything like this before. Is this going to work? And I, I, I didn't end up doing it. And then, you know, I, you, know, you see the film, like, oh, it's a massive success, and they're having a blast. And, you know, that was one you go, oh, actually, you know, I probably over, I, I was overthinking. I should have <laughs> taken the chance. It. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I maybe, I don't know, who knows if it would have been, you know, I don't know. I think everything happens for a reason, and it worked out the way it should. I think that's a healthy <laughs> <Yeah>. outlook. <laughs> How much, I, I ask this to a lot of uh, successful people, just because I'm fascinated by sort of, I guess how one views it, but how much of a role do you think luck plays in success? Uh, I, I think it's there's there's a, you know, people will argue with me, but I think there's a a good deal of luck involved. I mean, I, I can't honestly, with sincerity, with a straight face, look you in the eye and say that luck wasn't didn't didn't play uh, into me being where I am now. I, I think I was lucky to have parents that supported me. Um, that was luck, you know. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was lucky to be given opportunities that some people are not. And then on top of that, it's what you do with it. 
it's you know what's the what's the famous you know luck is when opportunity meets preparation or whatever um i was prepared to you know to deliver what i what i can do or what my talents uh whatever i could contribute when that opportunity came about so but luck definitely had something to do with it i mean i would i would also be lying if i said it was all luck i mean i, I i'm proud of what i've done um and proud of the choices i've made and and um and i think that that's you know i do give myself credit for <laughs> for the the work that i've and the movies and the, the the shows i've been involved in and the characters i've played and uh, but i also give credit to my representation you know they, they're out there finding the scripts for me to read and um and um yeah but at the beginning and there there is there is luck sometimes involves you know sometimes Someone, one of the people that we were talking about, not specifically, but like say other actors that you compete with sure. for certain roles. Um, I hate to use the word compete, but because it's, it's, it's art we're <laughs> making, right? Um, if they can't do it for some reason or decide not to, you know, and then they come to you like, well, that was that luck? I mean, he's, he said no, and then they came to me, and it's the role I wanted, so that was a little bit of luck. You know, it does come into play, but... Um, but I can hear everyone out there going, "Oh, you're too hard on yourself. It's not luck. It's, you know, you've you know, be proud of what you've done." And I am, um, but uh, but yes, I, I do think that there's, if you're looking at the uh, the pie chart, there is a sliver of uh, if if you think that luck isn't in there, uh, I I would disagree with you. There's there's a little bit of it there for sure. Lastly, uh, what is your favorite role that you've ever played? I know that's a tough question, but you you might have one. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it's. It's how you define the question of like what's the 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 most fun you've had playing the role. Good question. Uh, or how it's been received or most popular, or, right? Yeah. Or just yeah, exactly. How much money did it make? Or when you watch it on screen, yeah, you're most proud. Um, I you know I <laughs> I mean I loved I loved playing the prince and enchanted was just a romp <laughs> and fun and it, you know it, it, I guess it always feels feels good when you read a script and you go I know exactly what to do and you 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 don't doubt yourself at all you just go i i see it i know how this will be fun for me and how it'll be fun for the audience and you don't question it for one second and i think that was one of those experiences i did a movie called sex drive that i was just doing for fun i was like really do i need to be in a, a coming of age teen comedy right now but this character in this movie i grew up with a guy who was just like that i'm like ah oh, this would be great just fun even if no one sees it for me to play this character i just i know what his hairstyle is. I know he's got a earring in his right ear, not his <laughs> left, and he's wearing these bad whitewash pants. And, um, so I guess it's the roles that I feel like, ah, uh, I'm, you know, all of the creative juices start flowing. Your mind starts to open up as to what would be fun. Um, I guess maybe I look back and some of them are more comedies than than the dramas, but the dramas are, you know, they're just challenging in a different way. But that that was, you know, those are two roles. Um, the role in Death at a Funeral was a lot of fun. I mean, just just on paper alone. You accidentally take acid at a funeral, <laughs> and you end up on the roof naked talking to the trees. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a great role. Fun. Sign me up. Of, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> D-Train was a great, you know, yeah. was a, was a, uh, very proud of that. So And, of course, X-Men and, and um, you know, all the other, uh, the bigger ones. Hairspray was a lot of fun. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's tough, to, it's tough to really choose, but uh, I do, you know, it's... <laughs> It's, I guess, a lot more fun doing a comedy. I know that's not uh, saying anything profound, uh, <laughs> but uh, well, they say comedy is harder than drama. Yeah, and I'm not one who carries a lot of real, you know, I'm not wrought with uh, um, in, you know, in intensity and uh, uh, um, you know, I don't carry around a lot of, uh, around a lot of. 
like sadness and grief and like you know some people some actors like love to dive into their private lives to like bring some of that interesting dramatic stuff to the table and to and in front of the camera and i you know i i uh i do do that i have done that before but um i'd rather just kind of have a good time doing it and uh anyway so long-winded answer there hey man it's great i think we gotta go do this uh, hbo awesome. live thing but thank you so much yeah for that time, was a good man. chat really thank appreciate you. it absolutely Welcome to the dessert. I mean, this is our first sort of, I guess, what you would call a normal dessert in quite some time since our last two had uh, featured J.R. Diggs and, of course, Bert, Shane's 70-year-old friend. Go back and listen to those last two episodes if you want. But for now, our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Shane, what do you got for us? Well, what makes you think this is a normal dessert? Why, why are you being presumptuous? <laughs> I don't. You're right. I assumed you that was silly of me because you did look at your notes. So I assumed, you know. Yeah, I don't know how to get into this one properly. Uh, yeah, so this will kind of be the last experimental trifecta. <laughs> I spoke too soon. Yeah. He, Max, he has the book out. He has a phone of notes. I thought yeah. we were going old school. Well, I will. I will talk about what it's about and lead into it. Okay. And this is this isn't going to be some like half hour Bert or Jr. interview. Okay. Uh, it's an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but do you remember we used to have a podcast before this podcast, Mike? I don't. If I was to say S&M. Oh, oh, was it a podcast? I thought we tried to do this as a show. Oh, no, it was going to be a podcast. S&M podcast. Oh, funny. I thought it was S&M then, Creative Club. Yeah. And we were going to try and do Creative TV- Club. Yeah, it, it ended up becoming S&M Creative Club. Right. And for those of you guys that can't figure it out, S&M is for Shane and Mike. Yes. So... We used to have that, and we used to have this intern <laughs> named Stan. I'm oh, g- g- give a little more context. So you guys sa- had the same job as you have now. Yeah. And then you wanted to do like a television show or a web series or... A, a podcast. Yeah, a podcast. Mo- okay. Same thing we have now, yeah. just no one would listen to it probably because we didn't have you as the lure. <laughs> <laughs> you always need a hook. Exactly. What, what were we going to talk about? Man, I totally forgot we about were, that. We were filming it too. Like I was really obsessed with the Howard Stern show and how he was doing it. So we're even filming it, which adds another layer of complication, especially yeah, if you're we, trying to start something. We it, had a little set. We got overwhelmed. We used your apartment yes. as a set. I remember now. Of course I remember. Peak did the logo. I don't think we had a strong conceit. I think it was just shooting the shit. It was like a daily kind of news show, kind of what Robin and Howard used to do. <laughs> so we would talk about the oh, news. Yeah. I think we had topics. Exactly. So this was like the precursor to this show. Then I butted my head in there. Well, that made already... it a success. Yeah. <laughs> I think that had been dead already for like a year or so, like more than when we started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we had this intern that we used on the show who was kind of funny, mildly awkward guy named Stan. Oh, yeah. I remember Stan. And one time we were going to have Streeter's bits. Like, you know how I do digital desserts? Huh. We had a bit where we would send him out to do man on the street interviews. Okay. And we were like, Stan, did you shoot that bit? And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. And then he never got us this video bit. And then like got to the point where literally like a month or two went by and I was getting kind of perturbed at Stan. And I was like, I need you to give me this bit now. Like give me the final, final product. He goes, I've been working on it for a long time. I've got it. I'm bringing it today. He goes, I'll be there at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. comes by. He's not there. I'm like, Stan, where the fuck are you? Like, we, I need this bit. We're going to review it and talk about it on air tonight. At 2.30 p.m. he comes. I look at the footage, and he's wearing the same outfit in the footage <laughs> that he was when he handed me the tape. And I'm like, interesting. I'm like, oh, well, people can wear the same outfits. 
But stupidly, in another piece of the footage, he's standing beside a newspaper rack, <laughs> and it has today's <laughs> date on it. So I'm this, like, this was more of a TV show we were trying to no, do. No, we were doing it like the Howard Stern show where we record it and film it and put it on okay. YouTube. Okay, that's funny. I All swear, right. it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I was huge into Howard TV at the time, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. trying to emulate that. <laughs> so he's got the newspaper. So I'm like, Mike, check this out. This is great. Let's kind of make fun of him on air, how Howard does to kind mm-hmm. of Baba Booey and like his crew, like when they kind of <laughs> fuck up. Like, this will be great. But anyway, after that, it never got to that, and the bit just kind of went away. And then Stan, I noticed a little bit ago, maybe a year ago, he unfollowed me on on Instagram. <laughs> and this is embarrassing to admit, but I have an app on my phone that tells me. <laughs> that was my next question. How do no, you know? <laughs> it tells me when someone unfollows me on Instagram. Editor's note, I have since removed this app off my phone as it was ruining my life. And I've had three really weird instances where someone has unfollowed me and I'll, I'll explain all of them yeah. but the first is where it was actually on this podcast we were talking about myspace and i was saying i still refer to some people by their myspace name and i said that person's myspace name the day after that episode aired that person unfollowed me on instagram on instagram and i was like geez was that offensive what i did or does that person think like, I had so many questions about it. Is she a listener? That's that, great. That I really wanted to confront them about it. It was... Oh, I know. Of course. Are you going to leave that in? I might have to take it out. I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. But I, <laughs> I also couldn't confront this person about it. Another instance is, I was, it was in this building again. I was walking pretty fast. And a, a woman was walking a little bit slower than me. So I'm speeding up behind her. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm getting too close to this woman. She kind of turns around and looks at me. And I, I go, oh, I'm going to get you. And I'm like, oh, fuck. It was awkward. And she just turns around, makes a weird face. And I pass her. And I'm like, geez, that was kind of an awkward encounter. Ten seconds later, I get a notification. I've been unfollowed on Instagram. But did you even know this person? Yes. Oh, okay. okay sorry, yeah. So I'm like, geez, I would really like to talk to them and explain it. Anyway, so Stan unfollows me. I sent him a message. And he, I go, Stan, like... Like, I, I noticed you and followed me. I made up a lie on how I realized it. <laughs> and, and I was like, I hope I didn't do anything. And he was like, I'm just not the same person I used to be anymore. And I can't, like, have you uh, in my life or something. So I let a lot of time go by, like a year. And I asked to have him on the pod. Didn't tell him what it was for. And I've basically confronted Stan, because this is what I've always wanted to do, and figure out the psychology of why someone on follows on Instagram. <laughs> so we get into this and we unpack it and it actually gets pretty deep into the psychology of why people do this. And I found it like a fascinating kind of exploration into Stan's. So this is basically brain. a scientific study. I never thought Stan would be in my life again. Here he is on our podcast. He also unfollowed you, Mike, by the way. I remember you told me that. Yeah. I, you know, what are you going to do? Anyway, we get to the bottom of that too. Enjoy. <laughs> Is it a long trip for you to come down here? Uh, no, I, I work overnight, so I got to go to work after this anyway. Not directly after this, but... <laughs> okay, let me see. Hello, hello. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. So we are here right now. Oh, this is it. This is it. Great. Were you expecting Max and Mike to be here? Uh, no, because you mentioned that it was part of your side segment in the, in the desert. <laughs> you were doing some interviews in the desert, and then I know that you're... 
<laughs> the way the, your podcast. For, yeah, right. For the dessert. Dessert? Yeah. <laughs> so, wait, do you know that we have our podcast split up into three sections? Yes. So I remember that much, at least. And you didn't know it was called the dessert, though? No, you know what? I thought it was desert. I might have gotten... I, I saw in uh, an Insta snap of someone in the desert recently, and I might have got that mixed up with you. Okay. Because I wanted to kind of segue into one of the reasons I was excited to get you in here. Because I have oh, this... Really? Um, not a fantasy. Fantasy is the wrong word, but it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot. It sounds gayer than how I'm meaning it, too. But I had an app on my phone a while ago, and the app would kind of tell you if someone had unfollowed you. I know where this is going. Let's talk about it. When I unfollowed you, you're such a sweet guy. You reached out and you're like, hey, man, like, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? That's when I had replied to you like, hey, man, like, uh, you know, just what did I say? I'm like, you're just like, I'm not you. the same person yeah. I used to be and this. Which actually made me feel worse. Um, Do you cut people out of your lives often? N- no. Uh, I wouldn't say cut. Uh, you know, if someone won't... Uh, yes, I guess I do. <laughs> Would you say you're a pathological liar, then? No, no. Okay, okay, so look. I'll cut people out of my life only to better myself. If I have someone in my life that's, like, bringing me down, like, yep. you know, I'll, I'll cut them out. I'm sure a lot of people do that these days, though. Yeah. There's a lot of toxic people out there you just want to cut out. Whoa, like, did, did I make you a bad person? No, I definitely feel like when I look back at my time as a much creative intern, yeah. like I felt like there were people here that kind of put me down, which was definitely not you and Mike. You guys, mm-hmm. like, you know, you brought me in with the S&M podcast, and I was helping you guys out with that, and we would joke around and whatnot. But I definitely feel like there was people in the building, I won't say much creative, because it's yeah. like, people in the building that were kind of like, putting me down. I don't know if it was if it was because I was an intern or whatnot. Could you name the top five dicks who are in the building? I cannot. I'm not gonna do that. Mm. That's something old Stan would do. Okay. Current Stan's not gonna do that. Maybe future Stan will do that. Off air will you tell me? Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a two way thing as well. I felt like I was this reckless kid that mm-hmm. had you know, got his first taste of being in like the media business. And what I was basically doing was I was faking it to make it. How old are you now? 31. 31. Wow. So when we met, you were 27. Right. Anyway, so where, where did I leave off? That there was people who had wronged you in the building. We're just, you were just right. But, but like I've wronged people as well. Right. Like it's a two way thing. And um, like whenever I thought back, to that time of my life, it was like, you know what? This shit really makes me depressed. And so I unfollowed you, but I didn't send you a message like, hey, fuck you, man. I unfollowed mm-hmm. you. It's sort of just like when I saw like posts from you guys, it would remind me of when I was an intern here. And it was wow. just like stuff like that that I didn't want to see on my feed. The odd part to me was you were liking the photos. I did like them up till the point where I unfollowed you, right? Yeah. So, I mean, at some point it was like that's when I felt that way. Did one photo set you off where you're like, that's it? I'm glad you brought that up. What it reminded me of seeing all the photos of like you guys in the podcast and stuff. At first it was cool. Like I would like it and stuff like that. And then it reminded me of like what made me depressed. Wow. Just like remembering all that stuff, man, like how I wronged you guys. To get past that, I had to just unfollow you guys for a bit. Um, and it, it also had to do with me not ha- finding work in the industry for the longest time. I would do these odd jobs, and then all of a sudden, because I'm a socially awkward guy, uh, a lot of people would interpret that as me being a dick. There, there are times where like I couldn't stare people in the eyes. Like I had like 
like I was that socially awkward. Like I would just be like talking to someone. I couldn't stare them in the eye mm-hmm. for too long. I'd have to look away. I have trouble with it to the point where I'm either not looking enough <laughs> right. or I'm looking too much like a psychopath right. because I'm focusing on it. And plus I had broken up with that girl. So who dumped who? Uh, she dumped me. Oh shit. If you guys were feeling great and everything was going good in the relationship, would I have retained the follow? It's hard to say. But you think I th- probably I think if you so. had to bet on it? I think so. Because it's kind of like things stack up. You know, mm-hmm. you think about one part of your life, then something's happening in your in your current state. Do you still follow her on Instagram? No. Does she follow you? No? No. No contact. D- does it get to the blocking level or no? Uh, yeah. I think I blocked her on like Facebook. She blocked me on like Instagram. Do you have a closed profile or open? M- my profile is open. Which it would be why you need to block. Yeah. I yeah, see. Yeah. For the longest time, though, I did have it as, as private. But I was like, you know what? Yeah, you get more followers if it's open. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give to people who are looking to stay followed and not get unfollowed? Man, don't fucking post too many pictures from the gym. When you cleaned house on your Instagram, how many people were part of this exodus? Probably like 20 or 30 that I can remember, I think. But was I one of the first or more at the end? Was I more of an afterthought? Like, oh yeah, Shane too. I don't, I don't remember. Um, how many people reached out to say, hey, what's going on, Stan? People found out that I didn't follow them, sure. Like, I had a feeling they did because they would just message me out of the blue saying, hey, how are you doing these days? And, like, it's someone that I do not keep in touch with at all. Uh, someone, like, I met, like, a few times. When I got on the right track again, I saw that he had Instagram and I followed him. He followed me back. And um, I think I still follow him now. Wow. But we don't, we don't talk. Will you be unfollowing people in the future? Maybe. I mean, yeah, no doubt. I have a rule that once I start following you, I'm with you for life. I never unfollow. Wow. When all these people unfollow you, it kind of makes you feel like you're doing everything wrong. Sorry to interrupt, but for some reason that reminds me of this time that I had my birthday party over at the office pub. Yes. And um, because I was an intern and like straight out of college, I had like no money. Like I had money. I wasn't like poor. Yeah. But like I wear like the same clothes every day. It came to a point where uh, my birthday was coming up. I had this party at the office pub. Yeah. Uh, but for that night, I had bought a new pair of clothes with the money that I had got from being an uh, intern. Oh, yeah. And then um, I bought like this uh, Kangol hat. And I remember it's the funniest. Like, I'll always remember this because it was so funny. You showed up and you're like, hey, Stan, what are you, Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll always remember it. it was the funniest thing ever. But wait, it's funny now. But at the time where you like, you're being a dick, Shane? No, I thought it was hilarious. Okay. Did you re- end up returning that hat? I have uh, more of those hats, in fact. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. There's another funny story, which I'll get to later, about me encountering Mike on like a set. Can you tell me it now? I'll tell you it now. And it's a pretty funny story, I think. Um, but I also feel like I was being sort of a dick. Not really a dick, just uh, like a, a young punk. Uh, I, I can't wait to hear this. Mike was directing a spot for Coleman Hell. Yes. And uh, they were like breaking these uh, big Paint sheets of sheets. glass. Yeah. I showed up with my cousin, Sean. Sean's a cool dude. We showed up with him. We were sitting around for most of the shoot, but, you know, we were doing work. We were sweeping the floor because there was a lot of glass on the floor, like safety glass, I think it might have been. Yeah. Might have been safety like made and real. Or something. Yeah. Uh, so we were sweeping that stuff up. We were pulling cables, those sorts of shit. And then we were we were chatting. We were talking to Coleman Hell's uh, entourage and they're cool dudes. They were just like. I guess they were like high or getting high or something. And uh, I was chatting with Coleman. And then Mike came up to like direct him for the scene. Mike's like, okay, we're going to shoot here. We're going to get you here. 
And then I made a stupid joke. I'm like, hey, Mike, I, I ripped one of the cables or something. And then he looked at me like, like he was pissed or he was angry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. And then Coleman found it really funny, which didn't help yeah. because he laughed out loud. And then Mike just walked off. And I'm like, oh, shit. I, uh, I made Mike angry. Mike's got a hot temper. Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but when Coleman laughed, that's when I knew that I, I had made it. Was there anything that Mike did to wrong you? No, Mike's, like I said, man, it wasn't any of you two. Um, Mm -hmm. You guys were super cool. It was just the reminder of my time here at Much as a whole. What do you feel like you could have done that would have made you feel like your time here was uh, better used? Put myself out out there more in terms of like goals for where I want to be in the future. Um, Man, I wouldn't mind writing. I'd love to do like just stand up just for fun. Mm -hmm. at like yuck yucks or whatever i I might be doing a youtube channel soon nothing crazy just like unboxing videos and stuff like that what Uh, what are things you'd like to unbox so i recently i don't know if you have checked out my instagram recently i bought this um i unfollowed you actually so (laughs) great (laughs) uh what did i do something to you man we'll talk about it on the next pod save for the pot but uh yeah i guess this is what was my main goal here to discuss that and get to the root of it i'm so glad you didn't tell me ahead of time because then i would have been even more nervous than i am now oh were you nervous about this a little bit i mean like i've i've listened to your podcast in the the past but i've missed like a shit ton of episodes i had no idea what was going on and then you had mess you had mentioned dessert but which i thought was desert yes what is he gonna ask me about the desert and then i show up um it was it was a pleasant experience being here. So this was good. Fucking great. Okay, and you're gonna stay away from that unfollow button. Yeah, I mean I still like unfollow people, but like it's Not celebrities and stuff like that. Yeah, like we're good. All right. We're good, man. Thank you. Hello, hello. One second. What did you just say you want to do? Take a Polaroid photo of me and, and Shane. For my Instagram. <laughs> What's wrong with No, because that's uh funny that now you want a photo. Why is that? Because you unfollowed me from Instagram. <laughs> now you want a photo with me. Yes. I, yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that's pretty funny. That's it. That's all. That's our episode. You just heard Stan the Man. Uh, if you want to follow him on Instagram, it's at StanleyJude underscore. So go check them out. Mike on Much podcast can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Mike on Much. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Tell your friends about it. Spread the gospel. Huge thank you to Tara Gregory and Tara Gregory. I did, this is, have you done that before? No. Jenna Gregory, Tara Paquette, for putting together all the artwork. Much appreciated. And everybody that helps put this podcast together, thank you to James Marsden for sitting down with your boy Mike V. Michael Much Podcast, Bruce by Max Kerman. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. See you next week if we don't die on the weekend.